0: Of the spoiler-verse. Welcome back to Sparta country I'm Kenneth Gregan. That, that right there is an irritated Mr. Horsley, because he's doing hey. too much. <laughs> and
1: Uncalled for. Today
0: on the show, well, it's artist slash writer Joe Statton, isn't it?
1: It is, but we should actually, what we should say, you should say it's Inkpot Award winner 1983, Eisner Award winner 1998, Harvey Award winner 2013, 2014, and 2015, Joe Statton. Nice. I like that. He's won a few awards in his career. Just a couple. His long, illustrious career. Yeah. He is co-creator of the Mega Man, co-creator of Huntress. He drew um, a lot of the JSA stuff back when they were introducing Power Girl and Huntress. I mean, it's how many, the guy's got a, a really awesome career.
0: How many iterations of the Huntress is there?
1: Uh, I think there's four total because there um, there's Helena uh, Bartnelli. There's the other one that I can't think of the name of right off the top right. Of my head. Which
0: was? Do you remember her first appearance?
1: Uh, her first appearance, I believe, is Helena Bartnelli. No, I mean, first appearance. What book she's in? Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's DC Superstars number seventeen. Oh, Okay, because I'm or like more. It's also it's that one, and it's so. So here's the funny thing about Huntress. She actually has a first appearance in two books. Right. Not just one, because they released two books the same month with her in it showing her off. So there's DC Superstars number seventeen and there's um I think I, I think it's uh, uh what is it? What's the other one? I gotta look it up real quick. But um there's two hundred nineteen seventy seven one came Yeah, one came All-Star out, Comics came number like, sixty nine the first week, one came in the third week. Yeah, and
0: then DC Superstars um seventeen, all-star comics. But the, uh, Helena Bertinelli, her first one is, uh, Huntress number one
1: at, in 1989. Yeah.
0: That's the one I have.
1: Right. Oh, Helena Wayne. Sorry. It's Helena Wayne was the first one. Uh, Cause it was, uh, Earth two's, uh, Batman and Catwoman's daughter. Right.
0: Yeah. I think so. I, I, I say, I say, yeah, like I know what I'm talking about, but I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just going to go by your <laughs> saying, I think it's this. I'll be like, yes, yes, I agree. All I know is, is I watched Arrow and they had Huntress and Arrow, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's she's kind of a cool character. I want to find her. And I looked her up and the first thing I saw was Huntress number one. And it says first appearance of the Huntress. And right. I was like, Oh, cool. And I bought it for five bucks. And it's in like mint <laughs> condition. And I called you and I'm like, dude, I just got first appearance. I just got the first appearance of the Huntress this is awesome. You're like, Oh, cool, you got DC <laughs> comics or DC <laughs> superstar seventeen? I'm
1: like, No. <laughs> And I was like, oh, you got All-Star Comedy 69? You're like, no.
0: no. <laughs> yeah, Huntress number one. You're like, that's not the first appearance. And then once I started reading, I'm like, oh, it's the first appearance of Helena Burtonelli, Which yeah, is yeah. just as cool though, because now she is the Huntress. She's not the other one is like I don't think they even talk about her anymore, right?
1: Uh they've used well, they used her in New 52, but I mean they they it's mostly Helena Burtonelli now is Huntress. Well, yeah. it's not, it's that's not, who's not who's really in the movies, uh, that's who's Batman in the TV show, Sutter. that's Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she's on She's on She's on Smallville too. She's in what? In Smallville?
0: Oh, was she? I didn't watch Smallville. Yeah.
1: I started I would, watching I,
0: Smallville, but that dude was way too pretty. I was like, god damn it. He can act and I, he's that pretty?
1: Fuck off. No, I'm kidding. I just and didn't and watch and it. He's I was, a nice guy in real life, too.
0: Yeah, i was like when not that come out like 2001?
1: 2001, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So I was 26, 27. I was I I wasn't watching TV then.
1: We should we we should um we should also note for people out there who are big Huntress fans that there was a Huntress in the Golden Age yep. that appeared first in Sensation Comic sixty eight, oh. but she was retconned to be ti- put to be Tigress later on down the line, and it was Paula Brooks, was a to- totally different character but with the same name, and, to- and she was a villain, not a hero. So, those was out there she who were like fighting oh, well, against Wonder Woman? There was another one, you know that, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Is what you fighting against what? Wonder Woman?
1: Well, uh, probably. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know what? I, I wasn't alive back then. I didn't read him. Before we get way into the weeds, because you no, and I, I tend to do this. She battled a wildcat, not one Woman. So yeah, sorry. Go ahead. We should
0: probably just sit back, listen to Joe in his own words.
2: All right, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. Today on the show, we have a comic book legend, Mr. Joe Staten. Is it? Good God, let me start over. Is it Statton or Staten? It's Staten Long A. Awesome. Okay. I, I should I, normally I ask those dumb questions before I do anything, but yeah, you know, it, it can only go up from here. <laughs> if you if you <laughs> if you start on the bottom, you you, you can only look up. So, <laughs> all right everybody, welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. Today on the show, we have a comics legend, Joe Staton, has been in the comics industry, well, for a good long to while. Right now he is the artist for the Dick Tracy comic strip, but you may have seen him in E-Man, you may have seen him in Green Lantern Corps, you may have seen him working with Guy Gardner. So, um Joe, how you doing, man? I I'm hanging in there. I'm doing okay. Awesome. Okay, so let's get down to it, man. How did you get into the comics industry? Like, what what made you want to get into comics?
3: Well, it, it's just it's it's what I always wanted to do. I mean, you you mentioned Dick Tracy, and when I was a little kid, I I think before I could read, I was attracted to Dick Tracy and and the comics, just the you know the bizarre drawing and the design and. That got me interested in, to, in, in comics and from the newspaper strips to to, to reading comic books and I, I think I learned to read from Superboy comics so and I've just always it's, it's what I wanted to do. After I got out of school, I, I took, a, took a shot at it and I never you know particularly thought I would actually wind up doing comics. so I'm still kind of surprised that that's that's what I do.
2: <laughs> that, that's awesome that's awesome it, it, and the passion is still there right you, it, you're still
3: yeah I, I am still interested in in comics and you know and doing them and, and and seeing them so i it's still there
2: awesome awesome i understand that roy thomas was i, I guess your first boss in comics did he kind of help you get your bearings in in regards to how how this crazy thing works
3: well actually roy was kind of came to me a- after I had been in a co- in comics for a while. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I, I started at, at Charlton Comics. That's that's where I did E-Man and lots of ghost stories and story, things like that. I w- after I'd been doing things like E-Man and Primus, $6 million man, and, and that kind of books at for Charlton, I had shown my stuff around at Marvel and had never made any real progress. And then one day, out out of the blue, Roy Thomas called up, and you know he he talked to me for a good long time, and then he says, "Oh, you, would you like to ink the Avengers?" And I said, "Yeah, I'd, I'd like to do that." And he says, "Great, the the job is on its way to you." So I, I hung up and waited for the for the package. So that, that's that's what I uh, started inking for for Marvel.
2: That that's amazing. That's amazing. So you you. You were you were talking about Carlton for a minute. That is a is a company I'm I'm not too familiar with. And I, I think just by the the sheer mass of work done by the big two, they kind of get overshadowed. But they really had some amazing creators there, especially when when you were there in the seventies, can you
3: talk a little bit about working for Carlton? Yeah, we we had a, a pretty good crew there. I I was there. John Byrne started there. Don Newton, Tom Sutton, and although Ditko was constantly working at Marvel, he would come and go at at Charlton because Charlton let him do anything he wanted to do, and he'd come in and do go, do some ghost stories for a while, to do some horror stuff, and then he'd be gone for a while. So. So, yeah, we had a a pretty good crew. But the thing with Charlton was that it paid much less than the big companies. It was a a really small operation up in Connecticut. And supposedly they, well, they, they published magazines, all kinds of things. But supposedly they started doing comic books only because it cost too much to shut the presses down. And they needed something on the presses at all times. So that they started doing uh, comics on the cheap, just to keep the keep the equipment occupied. So it wasn't, it wasn't you know it wasn't a priority, but it was a great place to start because they they paid you something and and it was good people and it was it was fun to do. So it, it was a great place to start.
2: Do you think that just kind of I guess in essence being the redheaded stepchildren of the <laughs> the The company doing comics instead of the the other magazines. Do you think that gave you guys a little bit of creative leeway?
3: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, and, and you'd say that the redheaded stepchild. That we have. A, I have a friend who refers to Charlton as as the the three legged dog. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's the one that just doesn't doesn't fit in anywhere. But yeah, they they pretty much let us try anything. At at one point, as long as things was done cheap, they were willing. And at one point, Pat Boyette was, was one of the artists, and he found a color separator in Texas who'd work really cheap. So Charlton started allowing us to do painted covers as long as uh, they oh, could wow. just paint what they did normally. But this really cheap separator would, you know, take the paintings, and we'd wind up with painted covers. So it was it was kind of an unusual thing at the time. So while while you were there, you worked on a title called E Man and
2: and I brought it up a little bit before we officially started recording. I happened upon an issue of E Man one time while I was being drugged around by my mom <laughs> <laughs> at a it was I think at like a, a used bookstore and I saw it and I was like, oh cool. Look at this weird X-Men type comic and at the time, you guys were, were parodying the, the X Men and the comic, and it was my first experience of the first time I'd ever encountered somebody doing a parody or, or, or a satire of, of anything. And it really kind of blew my mind with the possibilities of what you can do in, in that medium.
3: Right. So, this, this, this was like the second coming of email. This was when I was at First Comics in, in Chicago. That was quite a bit later. But yeah, like, I, I think that was like the, the F-Men. We did the F-Men in Saturday. Yes. The <laughs> and uh, there was a character who kept on swearing by the great white dog or something like that. But yeah, so I guess I guess if, if E-Man was your first expo- exposure to to satire, you, you hadn't run into Mad Magazine yet, huh?
2: I, I was, I think I, I'd kind of avoided it a little bit. It, and it may have even been, Roughly around the same time, Mm -hmm. but yeah, and it—I guess I'd never really put the two and two together. I I was really young when I ran into E-Man.
3: Oh, yeah,
2: like like new reader, young. (laughs) (laughs) So probably shouldn't have been reading it, but my mom was like, "Oh, it's a comic. How bad could it be?"
3: Right. I (laughs) I run into guys fairly often who run into E-Man where they're fairly young. They run into Nova Kane. You know his his girlfriend, who's the <laughs> yeah the working her way through college as a stripper, and she becomes a, a superhero and to be a sidekick, and so you know Nova was a good uh, good example of womanhood. So I I think she she's good to run into while you're young. Get get a good idea there.
2: <laughs> oh yeah yeah. <laughs> so you guys kind of had a little bit of a soap opera with with that character. How did you guys end up getting the rights? Transferred to you was was that like a a big to do or did it just kind of was it an easy transition?
3: And now, which which time? What are we talking about here?
2: Um, uh, in, in that the rights originally owned by Carlton were transferred to you and and Nicholas Cuddy.
3: Oh well, actually, when I was at at First Comics in Chicago, they decided that they should bring back have me bring back Eman. And everything was still at Charlton, but it it was fortunate that the first had uh, good connections in Chicago. And we had, had, of all people, a copyright lawyer by the name of George Bullwinkle, who was was (laughs) apparently a very highly regarded copyright lawyer. And he handled the, the rights, and there was a deal... Where I'd have deductions from my royalties to pay first expenses, paying for the paying for the rights and and paying for the writer, paying for the the lawyer. So it, you know it worked out there, and and first wound up publishing publishing Eman, but it was it was a little tricky, you know, figuring out who with with Charlton. It it was always hard to figure out who owned what, and we we got Eman away from them. So yeah.
2: That's awesome. That that's not really a story that you hear often when it comes to to characters that were created by you know people that that love them. So,
3: Oh, right, yeah. so, you know, Howard Jakin did American Flag at first, and and Howard has wound up with the rights to Flag. I mean, a lot of this stuff t- plays out over the years. So, and I think I think Tim Trubin and John Ostrander are. are, are Doing Grimjack, there's so they're hanging on to that. So it, it comes around. I, I'm never quite sure who has what at any given time, but yeah, I, I would do Eman every so often. Yeah,
2: yeah it's, it's such a fun character, and you can kind of be fairly versatile with them. Right.
3: So. very versatile. It can be anything he wants to be. Yeah.
2: So you you weren't at Marvel for
3: for too very long. Not. Um, yeah, I think that was there, a little over three years. Yeah, and yeah. and I'm sorry. Oh no, I I inked the Avengers for I guess a year or so, and and then and then one day in the mail came uh, some Hulk pages, and I I thought the shipping had dead. Gotten confused, and I, I called Len Ween, who was my editor then. It said, "Oh, Len, I got Hulk pages today." And he says, "Yeah, we decided you'd look good on on Herb." So you know, nobody told me that I was being changed to a different assignment, but but that's what I what I did at Marvel, ink the Avengers, and then and then the Hulk.
2: Oh, that's awesome! That's did these people that when you came in, I mean. A lot of them were legendary, I'm sure, to you. Even, did you have any encounters with any of the the people, like I don't know, Kirby or Stan or anybody like that?
3: Yeah, it, it's 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 funny these days. It it strikes me that that I did come in at a time, you know, when legends walk the earth, and uh, <laughs> it's it's hard to think that you know the the people I worked around or with or you know are just legends now i i worked as while i was at charlton i worked as as gil kane's assistant for a while oh wow and i ran into dick you know i'd run into dick to at charlton and and when i was well, it was funny when i was inking the hulk every time i went into the into uh to marvel Lin Ween would introduce me to uh, to Stan and says, "Hey Stan, this is you know this is the guy who's inking the Hulk," and Stan would do you know Stan stuff, face front, true, true believer, and, and all those things. He <laughs> was very friendly, always said hi, and and he never remembered who I was every time every time I went to Stan, and he was he was always thrilled to meet me. But so yeah, that's you know never quite figured out who I was though. So.
2: Did you ever have anybody that kind of took you under their wing
3: while you were there? No, I don't think so. I had, I guess, more direction from, from Gil Kane than from anybody else. Oh, yeah, at, at Marvel, I had Archie Goodwin. Archie was the was a, editing the their black and white books, and I was kind of stifled a little bit at Marvel. I, I wanted to do some more things than just inking, and, and I'd gotten... Very typecast as just, uh, you know, not just an anchor, but that's basically what I did. And, and Archie was doing the black and white books, and he found stuff on the uh, Kung Fu books for me to do, including a life story of Bruce Lee. Which oh, is, cool. Which is still one of my, my very favorite jobs. And I was going to, they were showing Bruce Lee movies at a local college. And this this was before you could just look up things, there was no Google. But so we were going around finding Bruce Lee movies where we could find them. That was, was a lot of fun, yeah. And you know, then I did some of the regular issues of Deadly Hens of Kung Fu. Strangely enough, since everything you've ever done is now being re- reprinted, my my Kung Fu issues were reprinted in a, in a hardback you now last year. So oh, that's awesome. Everything is still around somewhere.
2: That's great, and I'm sure that's that's not a an unwanted paycheck too. <laughs> just like what i did this like 40 years
3: ago that's awesome
2: <laughs> it,
3: it, it, it's, it's cool you know things i've every once in a while i've got a royalty check for things i've forgotten i did <laughs> and, oh, that's that's good sometimes they're you know you know a buck 80 and sometimes they're more substantial so it's, it's but you know it's money that i'm not expecting
2: that is what we call living the life right there, Joe. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> so uh, I've never heard a bad word said about Archie Goodwin, by the way. Everybody seems to love him.
3: Yeah, there are no bad words to say about Archie Goodwin. Archie is, you know, like like the, the ultimate example of, of uh, you know, a, a mentor, an editor, a writer. You know, if, if Archie told you something, you know. You can trust it. He's a good guy. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Did, did you get
2: you got out of there before Shooter came in, right?
3: Right. Yeah, my editor there was still still Len Ween. I yeah, I, I didn't never meshed very well with with Shooter. I never had a long term relationship with them. So yeah, that so I was basically out by then. I hear I was, you. Yeah,
2: and then. Paul Levitt's kind of poached you, right? <laughs> he, he,
3: he did indeed. Uh, that was another one of those occasions when I got a uh, call out of the blue that uh, I didn't know Paul. I had no idea why he was calling me, but he was, you know, was recruiting me to do finishes at D.C. They were actually short of people to produce all the books. And they had, in my case, Rick Estrada was doing very rough Layouts for for several books and like you know, Wally Wood was doing finishes on on All Star and but I was recruited to finish Rick Estrada on uh, the Karate Kid. Also, I did finishes on Rick on uh, backup for uh, the Creeper. So
2: yeah, oh wow, so, a the Ditko creation.
3: Speaking yes, I, Ditko. yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I like that one. <laughs> yeah,
2: so. so assume I'm a moron which you probably already have
3: No I have
2: <laughs> breakdowns and finishes uh, just that that terminology goes over my head and I think a, a few other people will you, will you tell us what, what breakdowns and finishes are
3: well there, there's that's that's one of the things I, d- I don't think it's ever been totally settled the degree uh, the degree of uh, well finish of, of how much work is actually on the page. Sometimes people will know, or that there are pencils and there are inks, but there are also other degrees of what is put on the page. There are thumbnails, which are you know very small sketches of what's on the on a page, and then breakdowns are the very very rough drawings a of the of the art with the the drawings not finished, sometimes it's very, very, very loose. And I I remember when I was hired to work on Rick, I was told that that he only put out shoeboxes for city scenes. So his buildings were shoeboxes. So (laughs) I was expected to put in windows and blacks and bricks and and all that sort of thing. So that that would be breakdowns. So I would, rather, rather than the penciler Taking it to a finished pencil, I would take it, you know, partway to the finished pencil, and, and I would finish it in ink. Sometimes you get very tight, very tight layout layouts, very tight. So when I was working with Herb on on the Hulk, his his layouts were pretty pretty finished. No blacks, not a lot of the texture, but they, it was pretty close to a finished drawing. So that was more. More inking than finishing, but, and it, it varies who you're working uh, with, what the deadlines are, what's the best way to get it done. So, yeah, layouts are, are very rough pencils.
2: So, what did you prefer? Did you like it when they were loose with it? So, you, so you kind of put your own stink on it, or was it something that? Like oh wow that's just really time consuming <laughs> I would much rather it be tight like like Herb
3: um, well I I like them both there, there's as long as there's some room to to get my own stuff on the page a little bit so that's that's good and it, it's good to get the the loose stuff too because I, I I basically know how to to draw the page but if if the storytelling's there. That gives me a, a good uh, heads up, a a good uh, into the story, so that that helps a lot. So either, either way works. I don't. Well, actually, yeah, I'll I'll work on anything from really really loose really loose pencils to to really tight pencils. I, I don't warm up so much to really tight pencils, but I'll I'll work up any any variation.
2: That's that's good. I really. That that's one thing that's always kind of gone over my head, and it like it sounds like it's not a an exact science either. No, <laughs> uh, whenever I would see that in the credits bar, so
3: yeah, uh, so you, you can never really tell from the credits bar exactly what anybody did that somebody will be credited with something and maybe they did it or maybe they did part of it or maybe maybe they had 3 or 4 guys doing it, something or you know, I marvel there were the crusty bunkers which I did it a little bit on which happened to be anybody who was walking through the office who could hold a brush <laughs> it's given some some pages and say here okay put some trees over here and some buildings over here and then pass it on to somebody else and you you never really know quite who's doing what so while you
2: were while you were at DC did you have any particular title that you just really enjoyed working on
3: yeah I, I got off pretty early with the the all-star the the uh, Return of of the JSA, the Justice Society. And that that had, Wally Wood had been doing that. And so I came in after him. And I had been, had actually read a lot of the 1940s reprints. So I I knew who these characters, Earth 2 was basically the characters who had been around in the 40s. So I knew who they were and I really liked them. It was uh, really a different reality. And I, 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 keep, I keep on telling people I'm. I'm really most at home on Earth too. I with the, with the Je- Justice Society and those characters. I'm very, very comfortable.
2: We felt okay. comfortable enough to kill Batman. So,
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was just a, a write up on on CBR that about the time we killed Batman and and he's still dead. You know he's. <laughs> He has he hasn't come back. Not our Batman, but that was that was uh, Paul Levitt's story. We did a lot of good stuff with Paul. Yeah, but with the Justice Society, that was the that's where we created the Huntress, who was Batman's daughter, the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. So that was that was one time I, I got to be involved in creating a character. And she was she was she was an Earth Two character. Yeah. yeah.
2: Have you been paying attention to any of the Berlanti Universe television shows? Oh, yeah. uh, They kind of go into some of the Earth 2 stuff. And I haven't. I have two kids. So if the TV isn't on Disney Channel, it's my wife watching something. So I I rarely am able to watch TV. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah. the the new series uh star girl a lot of the earth two characters the justice society at least it seems to me it's like the next generation of the justice society most of the originals that i worked on have been killed in action but there's there's another generation on star girl but they're the references to to all the earth two characters there
2: that's awesome i it's, it's one thing hopefully I don't know. Maybe I can start getting them to bed earlier now that school's starts <laughs> back, <laughs> I can catch up on some of this stuff. <laughs> so,
3: yeah. the, kid, assuming the kids aren't all going vir- virtual, <laughs> so yeah. The,
2: yeah, they're they're doing virtual for now, and yeah. ho- hopefully we'll be able to get them back in school. But man, I, I have a kindergartner and a fifth grader, and oh. I cannot imagine how anyone could keep a mask on a kindergartner
3: all day. I, I don't think that would be easy.
2: No, no, no. So, yeah, they're they're going to Meemaw's, and they're they're doing their school stuff there on the computer. Oh. And my wife is actually a teacher and she has been doing two grades worth of students and virtually and wow. while the rest of the school is going in for actual class, the students that have opted out of coming into physical class are in my wife's classroom.
3: Oh, wow. So she's she's doing two classes and your kids are going um, to, to, I guess it would be your mother's to to, to my in-laws, which uh, they,
2: they live about two miles down the road. So it oh, works okay. out well. That's um, handy. Yeah. Yeah. And and all has has
3: learned how to uh, how to use a computer. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> it works out.
3: <laughs> I, I, I think lots of people are, are like quickly learning to use computers now it's a kind of a shock oh yeah
2: yeah I, i'll get a uh, a text out of the blue like from from my mother-in-law and it's like how do you how do you our document or whatever i'm like uh <laughs> <laughs> so i'll handle that real quick and then i'll get back to my client but uh-huh. learning so, fast. oh yeah yeah so yeah you you enjoyed your time at dc
3: yeah i came and went along a lot at, at dc yeah
2: yeah, yeah. So you you did uh, Guy Gardner. How was it illustrating the most unpleasant comic character <laughs> in the DC universe?
3: Well, I I, I love Guy, and I, I was working with the Steve Englehart. Then basically, the original version of Guy had been run totally into the ground. There wasn't there really wasn't anything left to do with with that character. It was. Uh, the original guy, I think he was, was a gym coach who'd bec- become a temporary Green Lantern. He had had suffered terrible injuries at a fight with Sinestro and had brain damage. And basically, he was was written out. He was in a coma in some kind of facility. And so Steve, Engleh- Steve Englehart was kind of tack- tasked with making something useful out of the remains of Guy Gardner. <clears throat> Sorry, could you hang on a minute while I got a drink of water here?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'll notate this on the thing. So Okay. Radio Three nineteen thirty two
3: twenty-five. No, I'm just <laughs> <coughs> Okay, are we uh, are we still here? Oh yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. When I'm basically at a, well, he'll, my wife's in the in the house, but I you know I, I say hi to her occasionally, but I can go <laughs> days not talking to people other than that. So, so an extended period of talking drives me out. So that's that's nope, what. Sorry about that. <laughs> and,
2: and being an artist that's solitary work in and of itself, right?
3: Yeah. yeah. Oh, used used to be the only person I would see for days would be the Beth, the the FedEx girl. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you worked as the art director for First. Did did you enjoy working there?
3: I enjoyed the prospects, but we kind of um, kind of proved that I had no managerial skills whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I really, it, it's a back. Keeping keeping uh, people on track and uh, making sure things are are done and uh, they, we had a good record of getting all the books out when I was there. So I'm, I was pleased with with what I did, but it was a, a different kind of stress that I, I was accustomed to, and I haven't tried it again since then. But I. I met some awfully nice people and we did some good work and i i totally burned out i was i was like a, among the walking wounded when i got back from chicago uh, oh wow uh,
2: and while, while you were i i'm guessing while you were the the art director there man you guys put out some titles we oh did. my gosh y'all put out a a ton of what I, i'm thinking a lot of people regard as like the 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 birth of like the modern indie comics.
3: Yeah. We were, Um, we we were there. Yeah.
2: So, so while, while you were there, I'm I'm sure you had at least a little bit of a hand in helping out with American flag and the badger and let's see lone wolf and
3: cub. Well, that was, it's just a matter of picking up the Japanese properties. I don't think we, I, I didn't really have anything to do with that, but, but I, I, would basically go through Jenkins' material and basically just be impressed, but occasionally, <laughs> you know, have to ask, "Oh, oh, oh, Howard, you you've drawn flag without a pelvis over here? Could you, you know?" <laughs> you know <laughs> Howard's a lot of fun to work with. I I love Howard and Tim Truman and Grimjack and I I knew we were doing something different there when Grimjack had to chop the head off the zombie baby. You know, it was it was a a (laughs) (laughs) so you you were
2: y'all were constantly pushing the envelope.
3: We we were yeah. Try, trying different stuff. And we, we promised we wouldn't do any elves, but other than that, we were kind of open to stuff that we didn't get into. We did superhero parodies, but, and and Badger was kind of a, a superhero. But he was a little bit, little bit strange himself. So yeah, we, we tried all kinds of stuff.
2: That's, that's awesome. And later on, like in the nineties, you, you won an Eisner award.
3: Yes, I did. That was...
2: I forgot. <laughs> You're like, oh, all, they're just piled up in the corner. They, they all blend in together after a while.
3: That was the adaptation, the animated movie about when Batman first met Superman, the animated version. And I, I worked on, on the adaptation there. I, I, I was really pleased with that book. I think that came out well. Terry Terry Beatty inked it and it was good. I, I really... I, I did a lot of work in the animated style, actually, but this was was probably the best best job I did. I really liked it.
2: That's that's great. I one thing I while I'm talking to you, it kind of made me think. You started out on a lot of the titles as an inker. Now it seems with everything going digital, the and with the new coloring techniques and all that, it seems almost kind of like the anchor the the importance of the anchor is going the way of the buffalo what what do you think about that and have
3: has it influenced how you do your work now uh, well, every every once in a while you you will see mentions that people say that that inkers are a dying breed but still needing them for a lot a lot of the books now but not not so much actually a lot of a lot of the books that the penciling has done so tightly that you know, with if you adjust the levels or something, you have a dark enough image to to print from. So, I I, th- I think really the, with the Photoshop adjustments and everything, it's it's possible to do away with the necessity for inkers. But so you used to have to. You know who who was good together and who looked who looked was it was it best to have Joe Sennett in you or of course it was uh, or <laughs> would Klaus Hansen look better or you know so but now so much of it is is the one sort of drawing going through the computer and then and you wound up with that and then the colorist. But it, it's like I say, it there are different degrees of, of what every step in the process is is done. So that's that's one way it's moving now.
2: Were there any particular creators and especially inkers that you enjoyed working with while you were at the at the big two? You um, just felt gelled with you?
3: Oh, I, I, I worked a lot with Bruce Patterson. He inked a lot of my Green Lantern stuff. I really liked what Bruce did. And I did Plastic Man with Bob Smith. Bob Smith has a great line. I, I loved doing that. And occasionally I would do something completely different. One, one job that stood out was a, a Batman story for the campaign to end landmines. The book was called. I remember that. Suffered I had a- that. And Bill Sienkiewicz inked it and it it was beautiful. It was people asked me, did you know, did Bill completely obliterate what I what I was doing? And and no, he he just found what I was doing and, and pull it pulled it all together. And so I I really like that 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 look. I'm I'm really pleased with that one. Yeah, yeah I
2: don't I don't think anybody would ever complain about having had been able to collaborate with Bill Sienkiewicz. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I, I certainly don't don't complain about it. No, My <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it was CBR again or what it was, but somebody just reprinted, put up online a job I did was the origin of Doctor Fate, and and Michael Nasser inked it, and he had a kind of Neil Adams finish to what he was doing at the time, which was. I, I still saw my stuff there, but it gave it a, a different look, and I, I liked seeing what he found in in what I was doing. A good a good anchor will teach you something about yourself.
2: That that's cool. So, who who were your inspirations when you when you first started in in terms of artwork?
3: Well, I, Gil Kane is certainly one of you know my basic influences, and I think I think Ditko is my basic guy. I, I kind of always loved Ditko more than anything else, though. So. Uh, the drawing and the weirdness. And of course, going back to Chester Gould, and I liked Kubert a lot. And It's funny, I I used to say I was the only one who wasn't influenced by Jack Kirby, but actually I was influenced by Jack Kirby, the stuff he did, like the the fly and the double life of Private Strong and the monster stuff before he actually created all the Marvel stuff. I I never looked, uh, never warmed up quite so much to uh, what he did for the main Marvel stuff, but the weird stuff, I, I really like that. I liked he did what he did on the challengers of the unknown a lot. So yeah, I, I did have some Kirby influence there after all.
2: It took me a while when I was, you know, first started to uh, read his stuff to get past the, the big weird Lego man heads that he would draw. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as like drawing sci-fi, though, that man was fantastic.
3: Yeah, I, I remember Kirby did all kinds of things, and at some point he did what? Kid Colt. Kid Colt, yeah, it was a western, and he drew uh, Kid Colt was attracted to the, the school marm, that led to gunfights, and it occurred to me that was the ugliest woman i would ever <laughs> seen. <a comic. laughs> Drawing beautiful women was was not not, not Kirby's strong point, but uh, <laughs> he had he had many strong points. That that I I could live with uh, an ugly school barb if necessary.
2: So, <laughs> so uh, earlier you talked about Chester Gould, and so can can we talk a little bit about Dick Tracy?
3: Oh, we, we can always talk about Dick Tracy.
2: So wh- this is a strip I'm sure you grew up reading.
3: I did, and and, and like. I, I grew up following the pictures before I could read it. So I, I, I think it's the first influence I had in, uh, ever. So yeah, I go back always ways with Tracy.
2: It, it blows my mind that that you're able to to now carry on this tradition and it, carry on the story.
3: It is, it is odd. I kind of, I started with Tracy and it looks like I'm winding up with Tracy. So you, you, it comes around. But I, I still try to pick up as much I can of of the, the Gould look, the and some of the design work, the way he handled blacks, the desi- the ex- exaggerated characters. So yeah, I am definitely, definitely trying to uh, keep as much of Chester Gould as, as possible.
2: I I remember when when I was a kid, I had a a collection, a massive like doorstop of a collection of the Dick Tracy strips, and it always blew me away just kind of like through the decades how he would just slightly change in terms of like facial characteristics and stuff like that, and he always looked like a a guy that could take and give a punch, but uh, (laughs) uh, there was always something that that would change a little bit, and sometimes it looked like he had too many punches to the
3: face, (laughs) but... (laughs) There was a while that Tracy had a mustache, and then <laughs> he had a crew cut, and so every, everybody at the, uh, the police headquarters got crew cuts at one point, uh, except for policewoman Liz. But uh, Thank goodness. <laughs> Tracy, Tracy did change a bit over the years. So
2: have you integrated any of the, the crazier characters into, into your strip, like the, the, the hippie Character from the 60s and 70s.
3: (laughs) Oh, uh, Groovy. Let's see, there was a cop named Groovy. Yes. Yes. But I, actually, speaking of hippies, we we're, we have a new character that we're going to be introducing to the strip. His name Aquarius, who is actually an, an un, un, unreconstructed hippie from I guess the the seventies, 70s, 60s, 70s. So he's so we're we still having hippies turn up as as problems for for Tracy. We we brought a lot of we brought a lot of the older characters back, and we've done a lot of our own new characters, but we bring back db no f- uh, little face which is a weird character and uh, <laughs> the only thing is we we promise flat top is dead we will never bring flat top himself back because we're you know he's he's the, he's the main tracy villain so he, he he deserves the respect to stay dead so
2: uh, yeah he's kind of like the the joker to to ex- dick tracy's batman <laughs>
3: Right. Although we bring back Broadway Bates, who is a really old character, as the character who was actually the penguin was stolen from the the visuals of Broadway Bates really? uh, by, by Bob Kane way back when. So I mean, this all this stuff it goes back so long. But we we bring characters back from you know days gone by, and and then we have our own characters. We've we've got uh, good characters as well the uh, silver nitrate and, and his sister were film film pirates and we I, I really enjoyed those guys and there's a character called double up who every time he says something he says it twice <laughs>
2: <laughs> so when you first started this this strip in in 2011 did you get any did you have anybody that kind of gave you some a hard time from you know because it changes weird Nobody likes change, especially when it's uh, comic geeks and their, <laughs> their uh, favorite stories.
3: Well, it's, it's it's funny when we took it over. We actually got a good, very, very good reception to when we started out. We've now that we've been on it a few years, <clears throat> everybody, you know, people follow it online, and we we do. After we were ex- exposed for a while, the snarkers would turn against us, and so we have people who are. Making you know harsh co- uh, comments as well, but I think in general we got a, a, a pretty good, pretty good reaction.
2: That's awesome, and, and to be honest, at least in my opinion, you're you're like the the most well-rounded artist it it seems to be you know to me on on the strip ever. <laughs> so
3: it's it's well, I don't know I, you know I I thank you for saying that, but you know Chester Gould was. Was a genius. He was, you know, he had the vision, and and Rick Fletcher was a really good, really good uh, draftsman. I, I mean, I, I think it's. I think we've had, had good good people to look up to.
2: So since since you've been there, you you've kind of done a few uh, crossovers with other strips. How how did those happen?
3: It was actually I I did not realize my my writer Mike Curtis. I did not realize this was actually his grand design that oh, he. Cool. <laughs> when, when we started, I, th- I thought we were just doing, like, police stories, but he had a plan of, like, integrating, like, I guess the, the megaverse of all comics characters, and he's, he's pretty well on his way to it. So, the, we had a good long continuity bringing over a Little Orphan Annie, because when, when the Annie strip was canceled... The, the trip got a blowback on that because Annie had just been captured by Guatemalan pirates when the strip was canceled. So Mike Curtis thought that Annie deserved a better resolution than that. So we wound, wound up doing uh, a good long run with, with Annie and her, and her characters, Daddy Warbucks and, and uh, the Asp and the whole bunch. So I, I love drawing Sandy. A uh, little orphan Annie's dog. We had uh, a shot where Dick Tracy met Sandy, and Sandy jumped all over Dick Tracy, and they they just hit it off. So, so you yeah, know, there there are characters there that I really like. Yeah, that that kind of set the set the pa- the pattern with with Annie. We we actually had uh, Popeye crossover. We had one a one day crossover where Tracy went to hoot and holler and met some of the Snuffy Smith characters. It's kind of, kinda of weird. Yeah. Let's see who oh oh it just if you remember Steve Roper and Mike Nomad, we just did a crossover with them. We have right now we have Brenda Starr is doing a cameo appearance. It's not a not a proper crossover, but she's showing up and she's she's still looking great. So yeah, awesome I think you're able to. I think Mike has got to get them all in there at some point.
2: That, that's awesome that you're able to kind of play in that sandbox and and mess around with those those characters. Is it a different discipline going from like a you know a, a twenty four page book to to a, a strip and telling a story in in you know however many panels you're allotted for for the strip.
3: Oh yeah, it's a completely different way of thinking. For for a book, you think in terms of the page, and you can break the page down any way you you like with weird angles or whatever you'd like to do. Just however, it's as long as it fits on the page, you can break it down however you like. <coughs> but the for the strips, there there's a just a, a limited number of little boxes, little ones there that you can you can use. So the design has to Basically, you think in terms of the the panel rather than than so much even the uh, even the strip. It's panel to panel, but with the comics, it's it's the page. A lot more variety of how you break it down. So it's it's it is a different way of thinking at how you're telling the stories.
2: Is it more difficult to to accomplish a a concise strip than say a, a page of? You know, dialogue in a in a standard comic.
3: It it is, yeah. And sometimes you would really like to have be able to go to a full page spread in a in a strip, and there there's no way to do that. So you have to get a lot of a lot more into small spaces than than you would for for a book.
2: That's it. It sounds difficult. I actually run a a. Uh, site. It's, it's a group for, for comics and, uh, kind of
3: oh, it's,
2: it's a work. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> surprise, surprise.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, but we, we do one page comics each week, wherein oh. we pair, uh, an artist and a, a writer together. The writer does, has a week to produce a one page script. Mm-hmm. And then we give the artist up, you know, two weeks to do the, the actual page. And, uh, we have a, a letter come in, and one thing that immediately hit me is not having a. There is such a massive advantage to having somebody who knows what they're doing in regards to lettering that Ooh. can. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure as as the art director of you know of a of a publisher, you you've seen that firsthand.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, that was. Talking about working with with Howard Chaikin, Howard brought in Ken Brusenak as his his letterer for a Flag, and uh, Ken, Ken was responsible for a lot of the design work. and And Howard had a lot of ideas of how to handle visual representations of sound, actually. Various noises overlapping each other, or you—you you can really do a lot with with lettering representing different dialogues, different different voices. Uh, Ken Rusenak was was great at that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah, it's uh, stuff like that. Just it's it's the little things that you you don't think of immediately that that just really m- m- transform a page.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, right. Your letterers? Are you lettering on the boards? or Are you doing it uh, on a computer?
2: Yeah, it's all digital. Uh-huh. They we have one guy that will occasionally do the lettering, like you know, on the actual paper,
3: uh-huh. and
2: just as a, I guess, more or less a practice for himself, uh-huh. and see if he can stay sharp, but. Uh-huh. Of it is you know they'll they'll letter it in Photoshop and and do it as a layer over the existing art.
3: Uh-huh. But yeah, uh, that uh, that works and and that's how it's it's mostly done now. I, I, I really miss you know lettering on the boards. Uh, we, obviously, our lettering on tracing is all digital. It would be impossible to do the the strip and not do it digitally because we get our corrections over the. Phone or on, on computer, and we have to be able to turn things around very quickly, and that's that's really the only way to do it now.
2: Is your art physical or is it digital?
3: Well, it's it's both. I, I do all my basic drawing. the the, the daily strips are are, are just penciled. I, I pencil them, and Shelley Plager out in Oregon <clears throat> inks them digitally and does the lettering. Oh. Uh, and then i I actually ink the the sundays on on the boards just basically because she has so much to do i do do my my bit there so we have it's it's a mix digital and virtual and physical and er, every everywhere you do it we we do a little bit of it
2: how far in advance do you guys have it like done out like is is it you know a few weeks in advance or
3: well, the, the Sundays have to be done a lot farther out than the dailies because the Sundays have to go to the color printers and be shipped out to the <clears throat> to the newspapers. So the, the Sundays have to be done six weeks ahead of printing and the dailies are done four weeks ahead. We have had occasion where things have been, a week's worth of strip has to be done overnight. So it gets Sometimes, but it, it gets really tight sometimes. So you try you try to give yourself a, a good bit of uh good bit of leeway there. Never never quite so works out as much as you'd like, but that's what that's what we're trying to do. When I was a kid, I had a paper route
2: and uh I'd get up at three in the morning and on on Saturdays and Sundays and we'd have to put together all of the different sections of the paper. Oh, and- yeah. So I was, I was 12 when I started my paper route. And I, I did that until I turned 16 and was able to get an actual job. But I, I remember kind of tucking one of the, one of the comic pages uh, <laughs> off to the side so I could read it later when we, <laughs> at the end of the paper route. So we, we'd always stop and get, get breakfast at a, at a fast food chain and uh, I read it at the, at the breakfast table. <laughs> well, of course.
3: Yeah. Sure. Yeah,
2: got got gotta gotta keep one for yourself, and I probably okay. how <laughs> do I would have probably got in big trouble if they saw me do that.
3: What 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 are the perks of your job?
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So what what do you do now? Like to to keep things fresh, like because I'm sure you you have to refill that well. You have to have something that gets you excited about creating. So what what do you do?
3: Well, I certainly with the IDW reprints of all all of the Tracy the Gould stuff. I I try to uh, read a good bunch of those in final, continuously because, like you said, Tracy changes, and I try to ch- try to see the the changes of over the years. So I try to pick up things there, and you know, I try to try to keep up uh, a bit of what's what's happening on just in in the world of comics now. I. I don't keep up with the superheroes so much, but you know, seeing graphic novels, and I, I'm like the Black Panther. You know, Black Panther is cool. So yeah, I, I try to keep aware of, of what's happening.
2: Are there any artists that are kind of blowing your hair back these days? Oh, you know, I, I'm
3: really pleased with what Jerry Craft is doing these days. Just the kids meet and get fitting into the the schools and good good things there. So. Yeah, I I was certainly impressed with all of the the John Lewis stories and keeping up with all that.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. So we always like to ask our creators that come on. Comic book shops are the lifeblood of the comics industry. It seems like, especially you know, as crazy as things have been lately, we want to, we want these places to stay open. Are there any particular places that you that you enjoy going to?
3: Well, you know, it's always Heroes God. Sheldon. With heroes are hard to find. It's always great when you go to the show, go out to the to his store, and see you know see what he's doing. Around me here in, in New York, there's a kind of a cool store called Mega Brain in Rhinebeck, New York. I like to get over there. There's there's a good one in New Falls called October Country so we we still have some some good stuff good stores around here and actually just just lately i I don't quite really know quite know what some of these stores are. There have been a few little stores uh popping up kind of on the streets around here, so i'm I'm gonna have to check them out and see what they're doing and they i I really hope that you know we we still have the stores uh, yeah yeah it it, it it would be or i I heard you know they' they're not ha- they're having a hard time with you know the lockdown and everything but we really do need to keep them keep them going
2: speaking of things that have changed with the lockdown do you have any plans on getting back out there when if and when the the cons start happening again
3: whenever they they get uh, going again and it, and it seems reasonable to get back to them i I, I do miss them I, I like getting out with with fans and, and other people in the business, so uh, I, I have lost a, a lot of contacts that way. Uh, but you know, gotta gotta see how things go.
2: Are you able to do your your strip mobily while while you're out and about at the cons?
3: I I have done done that. Yeah, right. At <laughs> <laughs> when I was on Green Lantern, I, I at, at the San Diego show, I had to get a issue done so I would draw at this at the show all day and then go back to the room and do Green Lantern pages. So that's that's not on that not that unusual.
2: I've heard stories, I think it was goodness. It was a story about an artist they they saw this guy at a con. He was doing his his what you call it commissions for people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Paul Levitz saw a commission that this kid had and uh, wh- where'd you get that? And he said, Oh, man, he's, he's doing all these commission pages. Uh, you should go check it out. And uh, just so happened that that guy was behind, like so far. On his- <laughs> and so, so Paul Levis got up and gave him an earful. <laughs>
3: oh, my goodness. <laughs> you, you have to be careful
2: well i I don't want to take too much more of your time up I think it's getting late out there and speaking of deadlines I'm sure you have a few
3: <laughs> always that's that's it it that that's one of the main differences when I was doing books I would uh, I would do a book it would be be work I'd, I'd get it I'd buckle down get it done then I'd have oh, you know three or four days till the next book was here then I'd get that done so there was always it was a a routine to it and I could get. Get get a little break now here, but the the strip is always there. It's always late, no matter what. Uh, so uh, there's uh, there, there is a difference. R- Ramona Fraden who did from the Star for a good long time, she says any any one day you don't draw, you're suddenly four days late. Oh, wow. So <laughs> That's 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 the rule. That's that's the math. So it's 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 kind of hard to keep up with your schedule, but. I'm I'm into my tenth year, so I guess I guess I've kind of got the knack of it.
2: Got the swing of it now. <laughs> what, oh. what do you do to relax?
3: Uh, actually, I I do yard work and work around the house. I I, I really like working out, trimming trimming bushes, clearing clearing out the yard. And that's doing doing something physical is is a good break uh, from sitting at a table all the time.
2: Oh yeah yeah. I'll be um, working on a deck tomorrow. So um, <laughs> we have a new puppy that decided to eat our deck. I'll... Was that the puppy? Just came in the room. I <laughs> am <laughs> a puppy girl. Yeah, <laughs> Joe. It appears I'm being summoned. <laughs> oh, Okay, <laughs> Joe. Thank you so much for talking to us, and we we I will post up talking to the guy that you're talking to. <laughs> I let my daughter say to you real quick. Say, say, Hey, Mr. Joe. Hey, Mr. Staten. Hi, Mr. Staten. Hi, <laughs> hi
3: there.
2: <laughs> I say, I say. Thank you very much, Joe. <laughs> so <laughs> she is, she is our, our youngest and our wildest. So oh, okay. I don't know if you've ever had the, the pleasure of having, um, kids, but Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> They're a handful. <laughs> well, M- Mr. Staten, thank you so much for talking to us. And uh, we will post links up to uh, to your personal site and to uh, to the uh, Dick Tracy strip as well. So thank oh, you again. Been nice talking to you. Uh, same to you. Uh, mask up and wash your hands and stay away from people because uh, my, my granny up in North Carolina just got
3: sick. So. Oh, okay. Uh, we, we will we'll try to observe all precautions. <laughs> yes, sir. <Yeah.
2: laughs> all right.
1: Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. said I told him I need to use it. Let's finish this one more time. Because we're back. We're back. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> back. <laughs> what would you think?
0: That was cool, man. I mean, Joe Statton's an amazing guy. And he, yeah. he does an amazing – He has his skills are ridiculous. Right. You right. know? And, and Casey did a great job. Casey so. did a great job. And it's just, it's always frustrating personally because I have no discernible talent when it comes to drawing like that.
1: You could have just said no, no discernible talent and left it there. We all, we all would have agreed. Man, that's that kind of hurt. You <laughs> hurt I my mean, feelers,
0: man. Just because you're stressed out and having a bad time doesn't mean you have to take it out on me. I mean, who else am I taking it out on? Oh, God, dang, you act like I'm not doing anything. <laughs> you're,
1: you're the- <laughs> well.
0: Oh, man, calling myself out. Right? No. Oh. No, it was no, really it was cool, great. man. It I, was I, great. It was I, great. It, it, the one thing, every time we have people on, and there's a lot, it always makes me want to go back and, and read all their stuff, you know, because you, you get a little glimpse of who that person is. So it makes you want to go, oh, I like this person. I want to support them, and I want to go back and look at stuff. But we have mm-hmm. so many. It's like, where do you
1: even start? Right. From Well, you know what you can start with. I'm lis- listening to old episodes here. Huh. Is, uh, so just to, you just heard Joe Staten, And we had last week, or, we, or a little bit ago, we had uh, Steve Englehart on, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, those two together created the crossover series for DC called Millennium. Oh. And, and also were the people who changed Green Lantern to Green Lantern Corps. So if you want to hear some from the other side of somebody who worked with Joe Statton on some pretty big stuff, you can go hear the Steve Engelhardt interview in our, in our archives over
0: at sporttheverse.com. That's right. All right. I think we've come to an end. I hope you guys yes, have. enjoyed that. Uh, Johnny and I are getting back into the swing of things. So you're going to start, things are going to start getting back to normal when it comes to, uh, intros our intros and our outros. And we're going to start doing more actual shows. Just the two of us. Um, the way it's supposed to be.
1: <laughs> well, I shouldn't and say those, that. And those, sh- those should come out every Monday. Yeah.
0: It shouldn't be the way it, yeah, it should be coming out every Monday and then the rest of the dit week um, interviews. That's how it's supposed to be.
1: Yeah. That's, but somebody had to go and move both of us.
0: Yeah. Somebody had to go and move. <laughs> hey man, who are you talking about? You or me?
1: <laughs> I, right, I moved first and you moved.
0: <laughs> yeah. You copied me though. Cause I was already talking about it. You just had the ability to do it first. <laughs> well, Jerk. Not my fault. <laughs> things are going to get uh you know more conversations more fun stuff to talk about we had an amazing conversation about star wars is it a masterpiece before we even hit record and we should we
1: should meet up together and and make that an episode yeah we should make that
0: an episode because there were some interesting things we both had completely different views on the editing of george
1: lucas well, let's just, let's just say no let's make that our next episode we're going to do on a conversation that's a good yeah, one
0: yeah there you go so our next episode Star Wars
1: well not like tomorrow's episode but then it's episode where we talk together which could be a week or two out <laughs>
0: yeah is it worth the editing should you be able to see the unedited version from back in 1977 and there's some little tidbits making that almost an impossibility so stay tuned yeah.
1: how's that right I like it I like it that's all, that's all tease there yeah
0: yeah. So um, if you liked what you heard today and I kind of think you did because you're here now listening to me pontificate. <laughs> and you want to hear more? You want to hear some more amazing interviews? You want to hear just some cool shows that Johnny and I have done together? There's like 300 episodes with just Johnny and I. So,
1: you know, you should go it's check those lot. out.
0: If you yeah, we're but over, if you did we're enjoy f- this. Well over 500
1: now. What's that? So, we're well over 500 now.
0: Yeah. If you did enjoy this, please go to spoilerverse.com. Check out what we have. There's so much stuff for you to enjoy. Not only uh, episodes like today with Joe Statton, but there's an Eric Larson interview in there. There's Ben Templesmith yeah. interviews in there. There's, oh my God, there's so many people in there of amazing that do amazing work. And you're going to love yeah. hearing mm-hmm. them.
1: There's a lot of stuff there. And there's Kevin uh, tons in of, it, there. as you mentioned. Kevin Eastman, oh god yes, and uh, you, can, you can hear all of that, hear us chat about some random shit, and you can also go to the website and read all the articles and reviews and previews of all the stuff we have coming out every day, and uh, we also, you may not know this, but you probably do, because you've heard us t- say it a hundred times, is there's a network of podcasts, there's more than just us on the, on the website, that's, that's, that's right, it. Bridge in the Geek Dump, Nerds from the Crypt, Haphazard Adventures, White to cl Radio, uh, Funny Book Forensics, and, and there's more, there's about 14 different shows on the, on the, on the network you can go check out. So, you should go check them out because each each show centers back in the pop culture nerd world, but they all attack it in a totally different way.
0: Yeah, I like it. All right, guys. That's a show.
1: Well, not yet. Go to scpod.us slash discord and join our public <laughs> damn Discord damn server and come chat with us.
0: Damn it. Now that's a show. <laughs>
1: well, one more. And go to the store and buy a t-shirt with oh a Oh, my God. Up, God so you're killing me. Now it's a me. show.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> now it's a show. In an Oceans of Podcasts. We are Cthulhu. Cthulhu compels you to do. Open the mind and read. So, is that better for you?